You're listening to Cooking with the Hazelnuts. On this week's episode, you will hear the usual banter from Debbie Hazelton and myself. Yours truly making a meatloaf entirely out of popcorn. <coughs> well, not entirely. I mean, there are other things after all. Yours truly also demonstrating the electric pancake maker from QVC. All this coming up right now. Welcome to the HodgePodge show. The HodgePodge, wow. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about everything from crab dip. I can probably find it while we're talking. Okay. I'll have to make a little noise to get to the drawer of make a little noise. recipes. Oh, that's a no. little noise. Uh, it's fun to make noise, especially when you're cooking, though. Make a big noise. The kitchen, the kitchen noises are fun. Yes, they are. I, uh, I made plenty <laughs> last night. We There's so much activity around the house, I didn't have time to actually do the demonstration, but the walkthrough of the meatloaf recipe is so good that you will um, undoubtedly just run to make this recipe. It's that good. It's really I know good. I will, and Miss Dez is not convinced. She's that, like, Ooh, I don't know, but I'm going to make it anyway. She has to listen to this because she will like it. I, I don't see why she wouldn't. Sometimes things just don't sound good to her just by the nature of mm-hmm. things, but then she'll taste it and it'll be a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, when I heard about this, I went, huh? <laughs> yeah. And it I, does. Really sounds fun, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, an I interesting love, story oh. about a meatloaf is that um, when my former wife, um, that's a, uh, <laughs> we were in Arizona at the time, and she and I went to Marie Callender's place. Oh, Oh, it was. And they had Marie Callender's pies. And I had never heard of a Marie Callender pie, that pot pie. No, I don't really want that. Uh, But having said that, I got to tell the audience that the Marie Callender pies, uh, in in my opinion, are some of the best pot pies. Oh, they are. I have ever eaten. I mean, it puts other pies out. I won't mention any names. Uh, you know, like Swanson's or Banquet to Shame. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Marie calendars are a little too... They're a little too big for me. Oh, uh, uh, well, <laughs> I used to didn't think that. But that was you before. You used to didn't think that? I used that? to didn't, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I used to didn't think that, but I, but I do now. Uh, because uh, at one time I was, uh, oh, a lot... <laughs> a lot more of a bigger R than I am now. Oh, man. And, oh. Uh, right now I can eat a small one, but a big one is just too much for me. Yeah. And even in, even they're a little salty, in my opinion. Are they? Yeah, a yeah. little salty, but I still do like them. Have you ever tried the sweet ones? She has some, like, dessert kinds of things. Oh, I've had their cobblers. I love their cobblers. Oh, man. Oh, we were going to talk about fruit pizza. Well, we can... Oh, yeah, we can get into it. Super Super Bowl coming up, right? Super Bowl coming up, and I found this crab dip recipe. Okay, do you want to get into it? Want me to it it right now? Yeah. Get get into it. This is a good dip to make if you're having people over or if you're going somewhere. This is really good. So you take an 8-ounce pack of cream cheese and a fourth of a cup of mayonnaise... And it says a can of crab meat. I don't like it with a can of crab meat. I would either get real crab meat, imitation crab meat, or frozen crab meat. But a can, what are the size of those tuna cans? I think they're like um, six ounces, you know, but it it doesn't even have to be exact. You want just a a good amount, you know, like a big, full, full handful 
of crab meat, like a good man-sized handful. Okay. Um, a small chopped, <laughs> a big R handful. Small chopped onion, little bit of Tabasco sauce and Worcestershire. And you want to mix all that together and then cover it with some sliced or slivered almonds and some paprika. Oh, who's calling me? Let me. I got to. Okay. Uh, cover it with paprika and the slivered almonds and bake at 325 for 30 minutes. And then we used to get, uh, I used to use like uh, Pepperidge Farm makes some flat, uh, what is it, uh, flatbread or Melba thins. But you could use any, you could get pita chips. Oh, yeah. You could use gluten-free rice crackers. You could, you know, make your own kind of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's delicious. It, it'll make you one of the most popular people on that occasion. What if you were already popular? What happens to you then? Well, then you become more popularous. Oh, if I, you know, I, I could really become obnoxious. <laughs> what, become? You don't have to go very far. <laughs> yeah, why did I say anything? <laughs> and then I just I ran into something that. full you force just, and hurt my head you, on that comment. <laughs> you made that so easy, Randy. <laughs> Well, we all know this. <laughs> hey, it's good. Somebody just did a new promo for me, Dan Kaiser, for my Monday show, and he made fun of me being the woo-woo wacky witch hazel. And I said, good, I'm wacky and proud. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and I'm proud to be obnoxious. I think I need, a, <laughs> I need a, a T-shirt to say I'm wacky and proud. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it would work well with all kinds of crackers and different kinds of, <laughs> like, flatbreads. It sounds... It sounds fine. Um, well, we're on the subject of crackers. Yes. I. And uh, we can continue laughing at this point because we made quinoa crackers. Quinoa crackers, yes. And they were the most disgusting things I've made <laughs> for a long time, which leads me to say that they're not all created equal, I'm sure, because sometimes people put recipes out there and um, they're not tested. And I don't have any idea, and it's just not my tastes that I say this, because the the, the recipe just was not good. It really wasn't good. Um, I know in my own mind that they needed more oil, more coconut oil than water. Uh, they were hard and dry, and I... I ground them up in my Vitamix after I've eaten them because I, I couldn't even chew them. Oh, my God. So I ground them up in the Vitamix, and we're going to make a quinoa burger Ooh. and use that filler and for the crackers that we made. I know that's going to work, but honestly. That sounds good. Yeah, and it's not like I eat quinoa all the time and like I'm not, you know, like going <coughs> whole hog, <laughs> whole hog vegetarian. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> if some recipe that you try does not work out for you, try another one because yeah. invariably um, one will work. So I just wanted to slip that cracker misfortune in that I had. Well, I just found my my recipe for crackers that I used to make as soon as you said that. This file of mine is ridiculous. There's no organization to it. But when somebody says something and I know I have a recipe that's 
like it or something. It's funny how I can find it in all of my disorganization. But we used to make these. And somebody called it hardtack. I thought they, they reminded me of wheat thins. But if you take three cups of... Oh, I I think we probably used unbleached white flour, a cup and a half of graham flour, a half a cup of cornmeal, a half a cup of shortening, one and a half cups of milk, a teaspoon of sugar, a tablespoon of salt, and then we added sesame seeds and garlic powder. So you grease a cookie sheet or more than one cookie sheet and you roll this dough out thin and and basically um, roll it out thin. But then you want to pick it up and just it'll be easy to handle. Plop it onto the greased cookie sheet and you bake it at 400 degrees. And when the edges get brown and I don't even remember how long it takes, but I think you could feel the edges of it to know that it's getting brown after a few minutes. You're actually going to flip this dough over and continue baking for a few more minutes. And it's one of those things. I remember I used to make them with my mom and she was eyeballing these things, but I think it was probably about five or six minutes on each side. And you can tell by the feel and then take them out, let them cool, and then break them into pieces. And, oh, they're so good. I don't know if you've worked with graham flour, but it's just like the stuff in graham crackers. And, oh, man, it is so good. I mean, I just I used to just love these and my dog got into them once oh, we had no. a, we had a a whole big um oh what size was it it's like one of those large containers that that you might put a 5 pound bag of flour in and we had that full of these and then we had a separate bag on the counter filled with what would not fit in that container and we went somewhere and my dog was at home this is my second dog she got that bag off the counter and ate them all oh what kind of shape was she in when she she was fine they were like glorified much better than anything dog biscuits i'm sure they were (laughs) i mean there was no problem though no side effect oh my gosh yeah, no side effect at all. I mean, maybe, well, I mean, just good ingredients, I guess. Yeah. I they weren't will. overly fibrous. Now that I have the recipe, I will try them. Now, uh, when you said shortening, um, can one substitute coconut oil and vice versa, or do you recommend shortening? <sighs> the only, yeah, I think you could. I, I don't see why you couldn't. You might look for coconut butter. There is such a thing. Um, the only thing I'm wondering is if the texture is is the same. Like, is the um, is the shortening thicker? Is the oil too thin? Maybe not, because once the shortening melts, it's it's going to be um, thin as well. I don't know. It's worth a try. Yeah. I might look for I might look for coconut butter, but I might still work with the oil. I've used them both. Yeah. Um, I've used butter and coconut oil, but those crackers sound delicious. And uh, oh, they're gonna, wonderful! Make them. Oh. I will. Mm. Yeah, I need to make them again. Oh, 
I might use that gluten-free flour instead of the white flour, white unbleached, but um, yeah. Yeah. Um, incidentally, we have not made the ginger snaps yet or the graham crackers because we were out of honey. Uh, for graham crackers and no molasses uh, for the ginger snaps. Well, we had a little molasses, but not not hardly <coughs> anything. So, yeah, didn't quite have the right ingredients. But uh, love graham crackers. Oh, speaking of oh, graham crackers, yeah, I um, got a hold of some honey grahams from the store and uh, a little snack that you might find interesting. We didn't do it this time. However, uh, we did take graham crackers and sit down and. Wa- <laughs> watch um, Dr. Oz and ate Nutella and graham crackers. That's an awfully good snack. Oh, now see, I don't really like Nutella. Oh, I think it's great. Really? Yeah. It's way too sweet. Is it too, too sweet for me? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. One thing I like to do is take Nutella and put it on a cracker and take another graham cracker and make a sandwich out of it and then put it in mm-hmm. the freezer. Oh, and um, if you don't like that much sweetness, you know, you could make sandwiches out of, you know, other things of that type and freeze them. And you could, I think with that recipe I just gave, I think you could use half whole wheat flour and half of white with, you know, I used unbleached, but Mm -hmm. you could use half whole wheat. I don't, I wouldn't use all whole wheat. That might be too dense. Mm -hmm. But I know I have another something with graham crackers in here that is kind of interesting um, that I made once. And it's basically almost like a a pecan caramel something. Well, if it has anything to do with graham crackers, I'm pretty much all in. I like graham cracker crust. I like uh, graham cracker sandwiches. Oh, here's one thing I like to do. um, uh, This is called... (laughs) This is called filling in while Debbie looks... For a recipe, so she won't be distracted. Yeah. Uh, what I like to do is I like to take graham crackers, and I started doing this when I was a little kid, maybe I don't know seven or eight years old. But I take uh, whole sheets of graham crackers, not not individual little squares, but I like to take the whole sheet of graham cracker, and uh-huh. I like to stick them in the toaster and toast them. Oh. They, oh. they get soft. In the toaster, they get soft? Mm-hmm, well, they maybe get... because they're hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you put cookies or anything in the oven, they would get, they do get soft. Mm-hmm. And then um, when you take them out, you got to be really careful when you take them out because they're hot. So if you're fragile, used to, oh, yeah. Real fragile and, and hot. But when you take them out of the toaster, they're, you know, they're, they're really pliable. And if you're used to handling hot things, it's, it's okay. Uh, but then I like to hold on to them for a little while. And use them as hand warmers. No, uh, I like to hang on to them for a while because they will get harder and more crisp when they oh, cool yeah. off. But the browning of the graham cracker after it was heated in the toaster is just, I, I i have been known to sit and eat a whole envelope of graham crackers. Whoa. I, well, I really we, like them. Yeah, we used to brown, we used to toast um, pound cake. My mother got that idea. And... Um, and it does the, that same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, here, here these are. I found these. Ooh, but it does that same thing. It gets, um, you know, it gets just a little bit toasted on the outside, and then it's still soft to eat. Mm-hmm. And we put butter on it. I like butter on almost anything. Mm-hmm. So these are graham cracker cookies. 
you oh, um, you put graham crackers on a baking pan or a cookie sheet, and then it says one cup of pecans, one cup of dark brown sugar, one stick of margarine, or I I wouldn't use that, but I, I wouldn't butter. either. No, nope. and yeah, and then you heat the butter and the sugar until the sugar melts. Remove it from heat and add the pecan pieces and pour it over the graham crackers and bake at 350 for 10 minutes. And it makes 40 quarters. Cool in pan before removing. 40 quarters, yeah. Cool in pan before removing. Oh, man, that sounds really good. That sounds They incredible. are. I will try I that I think one the too. thing I had a hard time with is when you pour it, I probably was a little too careful in how you pour it to make sure that every one of them gets it mm -hmm. but i think if you pour it and you just you know spread it with a knife or something yep and then you know you're just good to go there's an implement that i have started to use oh a few months ago i don't know if you've ever heard of these or not so i don't use knives too often because i really started using this tool a lot and it's called a spurtle have you ever used a spurtle or heard of one I have heard of it. They, um, yes, I have heard of it. They it's are, sort of like a spork. I think you've talked about a spurtle on here. Have I? Before. It's uh, not really like a spork, but... No, this isn't at all. Um, it's It can either be made out of... I think it's called kasha wood. And it's got a handle. And then the other end of it is kind of like a, kind of like a paddle. Kind of like a <laughs> spatula, sort of, only not as wide. And they have they make three of them, and they make a spurtle stand where where you can lay these implementations down on the stand like a spoon rest. Uh huh. And then you can uh, use them to oh they are so versatile, um, or <laughs> versatile whichever you prefer to um, oh gosh you can stir with them you can whisk with them you can you can um, dip. Uh, peanut butter out of jars and things like that. So I might just, and they're very, uh, they handle things that are really delicate to spread, you know, so they won't break. Okay. They won't break. Well, you know, your, 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 like your graham cracker cookies will not break. Uh, you, I mean, again, you don't want to press down real hard or anything, but it's for spreading things. I've seen them on QVC. Uh, I haven't seen them anywhere else. You know, yeah. there are a few other places I shop, but. You know, I haven't I've haven't found spurtles in too too many other places. Huh. I'll have to check that out. Um Spurtle. Speaking of Oh bamboo. Sorry, bamboo was the other material that they're made out of. Okay. Speaking of things we've gotten from shopping and um mixed kinds of situations with, um let's talk about pancake makers. All right. I got one from Amazon, and now I don't even remember what the brand name was, but it's it's for silver dollars, mm -hmm. and I think it might make I think it might make eight, and it you know it's six or eight. I think it's eight though. Anyway, it's all these little cavities on the bottom, mm -hmm. and you fill them, and then you put the top down with the matching cavities on the top. Mm -hmm. Now. There's no switches or anything on it other than you open and close it and right. you you plug it in and that's it. And so apparently there's a light that goes out and that tells you when it's okay, but you can hear a little click sound. Mm -hmm. Well, 
I don't know. Might be operator error, but I what, don't what, understand. What, what problems did you have? Well, first of all, I I ended up using a a two tablespoon little measuring cup. And even that, it was really, I mean, first of all, it's very hot when you're filling them. You have to wait till it's preheated according to these directions. You do. I yep. did. Yeah. So you have to feel which one you're going into with this batter. And then um, I still made a mess and it just was not, I don't know, yours, I wonder if yours is bigger. Well, let me tell you about mine. Mine are uh, I, I guess they're bigger uh, than silver dollar pancakes because they are oh um, I can eat like three four of them and yeah uh, these are like maybe maybe two or three inches I maybe guess three the ones that I use are about maybe four inches maybe or close to five they're they're about the size of a CD. Oh no, mine maybe are little, nowhere near that big. I need smaller. to look for a bigger one then. Okay, here's here's what mine is. It's the same kind of thing. You plug it in. There are no controls. You hear a click when it's ready. That means the light goes. I'm assuming the light goes out. Yeah. Um, if you have light perception, well, and or if you if you have low vision, you can you can still hear when it goes out. So. Whatever the state that the light is in when you plug it in, it changes states, yeah. and that means it's right. off or off or ready to go. <laughs> uh huh. Mm -hmm. It takes about three minutes, and you use exactly, exactly a quarter of a cup. Okay, of that's batter. interesting. Yeah, mine would nowhere near take that. Okay, uh, for each well, and there uh, are right, and there are four wells, and they are fairly deep wells. And what what I do, and what I know people that have these devices uh, from, and again, they're from QVC, and I don't know if you can still get them. I hope one can, but they were a clearance item at one time. Okay. I like mine a lot. Um, yeah, and then do yours, when you when you take them out, are they, is it overlapping onto the others or onto the maker at all? Not with a quarter of a cup even, with okay. a quarter of a cup. Huh. No. All right. So well, then, i got to get a bigger one. So then I take... Um, I take a George Foreman spatula, or you could use. Well, oh. you want some kind of an implement that you can get underneath the cake. Okay. And then just get it underneath and pull it up, and you do you do that four times, you know, because you have four pancakes. Um, and then just take them out and stack them up and put them in a warm oven to keep them warm, or you know, start eating them right off the <laughs> right off the grill if you wow. want. Wow. Here's the neat thing: I have taken cornbread batter. Oh yeah, and made corn cakes instead of cornbread. I made sure. corn cakes, and oh uh -huh. my heavens, are they? That good. would be good. Oh. That would be very, very good. And it's too bad that you had that experience with the smaller well. ones. Um, well, it's okay. I just will look for something else. What is cooking? We are happy to hear from you, and we have a new phone number: two zero six seven three six nine three zero one. Email hazelnuts at acbradio.org and find us on Twitter at ACB Hazelnuts. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm going to do a walkthrough on a meatloaf that was prepared yesterday, and it's called popcorn. Diner meatloaf. Now I know what you guys are saying. Popcorn diner meatloaf? That doesn't sound good. 
let me tell you one of the ingredients that goes into the popcorn diner meatloaf that you might think, oh, this is just too weird. And it is popcorn. But it is not the kernels of popcorn, nor is it whole popcorn pieces that are mixed into the meatloaf. It's totally different. You process your popcorn either with a blender or a Blendtec or Vitamix. You want to get that popcorn ground up to a crumb-like substance. When the popcorn is processed, it's turned into a wonderful, light, almost like a flour-like substance. It's very light, and you have to be careful with it. It's so light, it can go all over if you're not careful. The popcorn, when added to this meatloaf mixture, is just beyond belief. It gives the meatloaf a nice corn-like flavor and just a beautiful taste. It's some of the best meatloaf I have ever made. We'll go through the recipe and then we'll talk about methods for making meatloaf. Five cups of popcorn. Remember, the popcorn has to be popped and it has to be processed. That means ground in some sort of blender. Two pounds of ground meat. One quarter cup of chopped celery. One quarter cup of chopped onion. One quarter cup of 2% milk. One egg. Two tablespoons of chopped parsley. One clove of chopped garlic. One teaspoon of salt. One half teaspoon of pepper. One quarter cup of chili sauce or ketchup. The oven is set to 350 degrees. You'll have to equate that in British terminology. Sorry, I don't have the Celsius. It's about 176 C, I think. Don't quote me, guys. We'll start by adding the processed popcorn into a bowl. Add the rest of the mixture and mix well with your hands. Pour the chili sauce over the meatloaf and bake at 350 for one hour. Let stand for 10 or 15 minutes and then slice. Okay, here are the methods for making meatloaf a little bit differently. You want to use a pan preferably a meatloaf pan. When I was a kid, we used to put meatloaf in a glass loaf pan or some sort of a pan that was made out of metal. Let me explain to you what a meatloaf pan is. It's two pans. One fits inside of the other. The top pan has holes in it. The bottom pan will catch the grease that drips through the holes while baking the meatloaf. There are a few different types of meatloaf pans that one can buy, and you can buy these from QVC or HSN or Walmart, Target, any major appliance store, Amazon, Jet.com, you know, any place that sells food-type items. They have meatloaf pans that are made out of aluminum, silicone, ceramic, and they all function as they're intended. They are to extract the grease from the meatloaf. Back when I was a kid, it was thought that meatloaf should be baked in its own grease and it tastes better. Well, you know, in my opinion, it doesn't. You don't want all that grease to go into your body. And it tastes beautiful when you add a lot of different types of seasoning, like popcorn. Oh man, it's good. Let me explain to you about meatloaf pans. You put your meatloaf mixture in the top pan and then you lower it inside the other pan and put it in the oven and bake. They also have what they call meatloaf lifters and they're more or less just a framework that the meatloaf sits on top of and it has two handles. And the frame 
The lifter, in other words, has a handle on each end and that is lowered into the pan. Now, the difference is that it's a little easier to slide the meatloaf off the insert onto a plate because it's open. The meatloaf pan, you have to get that meatloaf out of there somehow. And I do it just by tipping the meatloaf out of the meatloaf pan. So here's how I do it. If it's a meatloaf lifter, I place that inside my meatloaf pan, place my mixture inside of that framework. If it's a meatloaf pan that has the holes in the top, I place the meatloaf pan with holes in it inside the meatloaf pan. I place my meatloaf in the pan and make sure it covers the bottom, the corners, the sides. You just want to press it in with your fingers after you've mixed it up. Bake in the oven as described. Now when you take it out, Obviously, you'll use some sort of a pot holder, mitten, when you take it out of the oven. Set the pan on some sort of a trivet or set it on top of your stove. And then you want to lift the insert out of the pan and hold it over the pan for about 10 seconds till all the drippings drip into the pan. Now, they will drip into the pan on their own while baking. But you want to make sure that you get all the grease out of the meatloaf insert. When it's done dripping, you want to take that insert or pan, place it on a plate, remove that meatloaf by either tipping that meatloaf insert to the side a little bit, sliding that meatloaf out. If it's a lifter, you can just slide it off, placing your fingers on the side of the meatloaf and pushing off to the side and slide it right onto the plate slice and eat. One of my favorite meatloaf sandwiches is sliced onion, meatloaf, a little ketchup or hot sauce, and you have a great sandwich. Hope you've enjoyed this demonstration and you can add or subtract any ingredient you want from your meatloaf. Just have fun with it. Make it your own. Just remember the recipe that I gave you you don't have to follow it. You can add or subtract items. I forgot to mention that I cook my meatloaf a little bit longer. I usually cook it for about an hour and a half before serving. I like my meatloaf a little bit more done. If you have a thermometer, you want to get that up to 161 degrees. If you don't, an hour and a half should be just fine. As I say, I like my meatloaf a little bit more done. Instead of one quarter cup of onion... I added a whole small onion, one whole small onion, because I really like onions. And I added about a quarter cup of Parmesan cheese. Hope you have fun with it. I ate a piece of meatloaf and I lived. Wow. Ha, I've got you now. Do you mind? We just don't let any people come into the Hazelnuts show. How would you like to submit a recipe to us? Just tell us the recipe you'd like to submit on Twitter at ACB Hazelnuts. That's A-C-B Hazelnuts. H-A-Z-E-L-N-U-T-S. Do you have a suggestion for the show? Just tweet us. I would like to thank all of you guys for sending us your cooking suggestions, your cooking mistakes, and uh, we'd also like to see your cooking projects that have turned out well. So just give us a call. We'd really like to hear from you.
I would like to tell you a story about nachos, and I'd like to tell you how I make my nachos, because I think for a game or for entertaining, they are really good. Now the story. I was at a sports bar, and the gentleman uh, that I saw was Mr. Lertzema. I went in there several times, and I got to know him by his first name, and he got to know me by mine. Uh, but the second time I went into the sports bar, I wanted to play the nachos, and I was told that these nachos were very good. So I walked in, and I was just about ready to sit down, and he comes up to me, and he says, Randy, and at the same time, he claps me on the shoulder, and I just about fell down. That man was big. I brought a friend of mine with me, and it happened to be New Year's Eve, and he wanted to order a few things, and I told him, you won't worry about ordering anything else after ordering these nachos. Now, the nachos came to the table, and about 15 minutes after eating the nachos, I turned to my friend and I said to him, do you want to order anything else? And right away he said, no. There were about four of us at the table at the time, and the nachos were on this huge tray, and, there were, and they were made just like I would make them at home. And I'll tell you how I do it. Nachos are very simple to make, and you can make them elaborate as well. You want to start off by getting one of your favorite cooking sheets out. I like to line mine with parchment paper. And you can use whatever type of corn-type chips that you want, like Doritos or even a brand that you trust. It doesn't really make any difference. And you can use nacho cheese, Doritos, uh, or corn chips, just of any type. Just let your imagination run wild. Now, I happen to be a sharp cheese fan. So you can do one of two things. You can either grate your own cheese or buy your cheese in a big bag or a small bag, but I always buy mine in the larger bags. And so I like to use extra sharp cheddar. What you want to do is take your cheese, take your hands and put it all over these chips. You want to lay the chips out onto a tray lined with parchment paper. You want to take your cheddar cheese or cheese of your favorite kind. Sometimes I do a mixture of taco cheese, cheddar cheese, extra sharp, and whatever cheese that I might like to add. Take your hands and sprinkle the cheese all over these chips. Now here's where the fun begins. If you are a carnivore, if you're a meat eater, you can use taco meat that you have left over from before. And I like to use taco seasonings when I make my tacos. I, I use all kinds of different spices, but make it as hard or as simple as you like. Put your meat on top of your cheese, if you wish, and some onions and olives, if you wish. That's how I make mine. And you want to make sure that the whole entire surface is covered with the meat and the onions and the olives. Put them in a 350 degree preheated oven. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Slide those chips in when your oven is ready. And use your judgment. 
anywhere between 10 and I'd say 13 minutes for a nice bubbly cheese. Then what you can do is take your nachos out of the oven and then you can sprinkle them with lettuce and tomato, uh, more onion if you wish, guacamole. Have your friends around the tray and pull them apart. You can either just be sitting, standing around the tray, pulling off nachos and eating them, even take it a step further. Before you put the chips in the oven, you can make a second layer. So just put another layer of chips on, another layer of cheese, another layer of meat, more onions. So you can stack these up. I'd say you can go as much as three layers high, really pile them up there if you're expecting a lot of people, or if you just happen to want to make a lot of nachos, and depending on the size of the tray, you get an awful lot of nachos if you want to stack them. So build them how you want to, and enjoy nachos. Hello everybody and welcome to the kitchen. What you're hearing in the background are trays being set down because the pancake maker has to be set on a tray. And we do that because the batter may drip from the pancake maker. I just thought you'd like to hear what the pancake maker sounds like. Now the batter is already made. And I will give the IHOP pancake recipe after this demonstration of the pancake maker. All right. So the pancake maker is after about three minutes, very hot. It has a latch on the front. I'll let you hear that. That's open and closed. That locks it down. It's like a mini sandwich maker. And we use a quarter of a cup for each well of the pancakes, like I was describing earlier when Debbie and I were talking about it. Now, what we have to do while the pancake maker is heating is we have to get some kind of a spatula, like a George Foreman spatula. Yeah. I'm in a drawer looking right now for the, ah, here we go. Here's a little George Foreman spatula, and these work really great for pancakes. If you don't have one of those, you can use a little, uh, oh, I don't know, any kind of little spatula. But you don't want to use a big one because they're not very big. I think the pancakes, I say, as I said, were about five inches in diameter. All right, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to plug in a portable oven. And uh, that's, unfortunately, right now our heating element is not working so I have to use a portable to heat the pancakes or well not to heat them but I have to use a portable oven to keep the pancakes warm don't I sound just great in the morning ladies and gentlemen thought I would insert that bit of commentary in there continuing in the kitchen you'll want a plate to set the pancakes on to keep them warm. And uh, what you're hearing is a cover for the oven. Okay. All right. I'm plugging in the oven now. And uh, 
the batter has been pre-made since last night. When I take the pancakes out of the pancake maker, I need a plate to set them on. That's what I'm searching for because I want to keep them warm while I make the sausage. Oh, get up. Whoa, are the plates gone already? Actually, I'm looking for one without rims on it. So you can stack the pancakes easier. All right, we'll get one of these. There we go. I'm gonna go grab the iPhone so that I can time the pancakes. Now, if you uh, miss when the pancake maker gets up to temperature, you can put your ear down there to hear if there's a little hum. If there is a hum, that means the pancake maker is not ready yet. And they only take three minutes per batch. And as I, as I stated before, there are four pancakes that are made. Let me give a listen. What you're hearing are dogs in the background. Yep, it's still humming. The hum is slight. And if you put your ear down by the pancake maker, you gotta be careful so you don't burn your ear. Well, that's what happens. We cook with our ears, too. Okay, we are ready. So, okay, we're gonna open the pancake maker. And you will hear batter being poured into the wells. And we're about ready to lower the cover and lock it into place. And we're gonna set the timer. Wash the batter off my hand. Set the timer for three minutes. Does that not sound good? I'm just starting to smell these pancakes now and they're smelling just delightful. What you can also do is you can touch the pancakes after you open the cover. Uh, you want to make sure that they're brown and you can do that by touching and feeling the texture of them. If they're a little wet, they're not brown. If they're nicely formed, then they're brown. I want to tell you, this is the one that we got from QVC and it was on clearance. So if you go to QVC and search for electric pancake maker, you may find one of these. Oh, you, there you heard the, the actual element click off and it's keeping constant temperature. All right, now I'm gonna take my plate and put it right to the right of the pancake maker. All right, I'm gonna open it up 
And that's a little moisture dripping from the pancakes. Oh, they, they look just great. And I'm taking one off, a fluffy pancake. Can we put it on the plate? And um, there's another one coming. That's two. And here's three, just sliding the bachelor underneath. And here comes one more. And here's one little piece that got stuck on the rim, just a little piece on the edge, so we have to trim that off. I pulled it off and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> oh, are they good. Well, there you have it. The demonstration of the pancake maker. Hope you enjoyed it. And I'm going to go have breakfast. Now it's time for sound bite. 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 <laughs> How many times have you had leftover pancakes and did not know what to do with them? Well, I have an answer for you. I have literally stood at the pancake maker for about 45 minutes or so, making batch after batch after batch of pancakes. Keep making those pancakes. Put all of the pancakes on a plate. Let them cool. Place them in plastic bags. You can put two, three, four, depending on the size of your bags or the servings that you want. Place them in the fridge or the freezer. Later, you can pop them into the toaster for a very quick breakfast. And they're homemade. What's better than a homemade pancake right out of the toaster? They're very good. Sometimes I find that I might have to put them in the toaster for two cycles to heat them up. Of course, you can put them in the microwave, but I don't prefer that. That's this week's soundbite. Here is the International House of Pancakes recipe. I've had this for years, and it is so good. I hope you will give it a try. One and one-fourth cup of flour, one egg, one and one-fourth cup of buttermilk, one-fourth cup of granulated sugar, one heaping teaspoon of baking powder, one teaspoon of baking soda, one-fourth cup of cooking oil, pinch of salt. All right, now this says preheat a skillet over medium heat. Of course, I use the electric pancake maker. With a blender or mixer, combine all ingredients. Here's where I vary this a little bit. I combine all the dry ingredients in one bowl. I combine the wet ingredients in another bowl. Then I pour the wet ingredients into the dry ingredients and then whisk together slightly. If you mix them too much, the pancakes will be tough. Pour the batter by spoonfuls in a hot pan. Again, I use a quarter cup of the batter and the electric pancake maker. The recipe makes from eight to 10 pancakes. And again, those are probably pretty large pancakes, but we double the recipe. Put whatever toppings you want on them after they're done. Syrup, Nutella, peanut butter, jelly, apple butter, oh, you name it, they are so good. And as I say, I have used this recipe for years, I think probably since 2005. I have used other mixes like Aunt Jemima or whatever mix I could find 
sometimes. Now, I'm not bashing any company that makes pancake mix. However, I can tell the difference, and the mix does not compare to the International House of Pancake batter. Well, I'm back. It's been a crazy week trying to get some things together, uh, and yet, uh, thanks to Randy primarily, the show is packed, packed, packed with recipes. Well, first of all, about those crackers, I forgot to mention that I also put in a generous amount of onion powder, and feel free to get creative with your spices. Uh, You know, if there's something that you want in them, heck, I eat some really good herbal rice crackers that have rosemary in them. I mean, just um, have fun. You might want to put, I don't know how cheese would be, but... Well, experiment. Have fun. That's the thing. It's about having fun. And do you remember being little and playing in the kitchen, playing with clay or water or any sand, making mud pies, uh, playing with Play-Doh, any of those great things, you know? It's it's fun to just be creative. And um, I remember my sister mixing up something really weird one time and throwing it out the back door as soon as she made it. But, you know, just just play. So tomorrow, super... Oh, what happened to my on hand here? It looks like I was... um, It looks like I created a whole bunch of extra dots. Well, anyway, tomorrow is Super Bowl Sunday, and um, Miss Des has found this really neat guy who... uh, months ago was outside of a restaurant. I still don't know what they do in that restaurant, but he was out there with a huge grill doing some roadside ribs. And they were the best ribs I ever had. He has, uh, they taste so charcoaled and they have such a good rub on them. Not saucy, but a really good, good uh, rub of some some sort. And when we had them last time, we had some baked beans and potato salad and all that. I don't know. Um, But I have a yen for buffalo wings. We haven't been eating much chicken around here. So I've been looking up different recipes. And I had made some once using some kind of sauce that I found in the store. And I didn't like it. It was too hot. But what I've been finding is that some people... Well, they, they use hot sauce if you want the buffalo style. And um, you can temper that sauce or, or make that sauce milder with some butter. And some say, one recipe I read said buttermilk. One recipe talked about um, dipping them in flour. And I would probably use my gluten-free flour since I have a lot of it around here. But... Um, then to dip them and, you know, maybe make a bowl of um, some hot sauce mixed with any spices that you want and adding some uh, either buttermilk or melted butter and um, getting it to taste, you know, stick your finger in there and taste it and see how that goes. And when you get it the way you want it, when it's just like finger licking good, (laughs) Um, put it, you know, dunk your wings into it and 
Some people put it on a cookie sheet in the refrigerator lined with foil. Uh, Some people put them in a Ziploc bag and let them sit for a couple of hours. And some talk about baking them and some talk about frying them. I think that I will use the Philips air fryer. And so that's one thing that I'm looking at doing. And I do like to dip them into blue cheese and have some celery sticks on the side. So then, um, and for how long? I don't know. But you can look it up. Google it. Google around. Look at allrecipes.com or anywhere. Food Network. um, And um, I don't know. I'm guessing that Well, one recipe did say if you put them in the oven to flip them over and after so long, and I sure don't, I mean, I don't have the recipe open in front of me because I've rebooted my machine since then. But in the Phillips air fryer, you wouldn't have to um, flip them over or you could put them on the OptiGrill or anything like that. Um, But yum, yum, yum. And I like um, to put minced garlic on them after I when I go into wing places I like a medium with garlic medium hot with garlic now some people do like them fried some people like them breaded some people like them very mild some people like them really 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 hot and I always wondered how how it was that restaurants could go back and forth with it it's it's probably that ratio of either the butter or the buttermilk so anyway um Happy Super Bowl, however you choose to spend it. Some people like to watch it just for the commercials because people pay, oh my God, millions to have a commercial in there and they are fleeting. Um, I'm not sure what all will be happening around here, but I'm sure we'll have it on. Oh, indeed. And um, maybe I'll get some risotto made uh, for next week. And um, just have fun in the kitchen. We've got some more people coming on here to demo and add some wonderful things. So stick around, stay tuned, and thanks for your support. And we're always happy to hear from you. So leave us your voicemail, uh, leave us email, get on Twitter, but you know, and let us know if you're somebody who loves to cook and you want to do some demos, we want them because it's a lot to do every week and uh, it's all of us together. Okay. So thanks so much for being here and back to Randy. Did you know that you can hear us as a podcast? That's right. The easiest way is to search. Use your favorite podcast aggregator, either Downcast, Overcast, QCast on your Windows computer. Do a search for Cooking with the Hazelnuts, and you will find us. Remember Tom Mitchell from last week talking about his bacon dog? Well, I hate the taste of Bisquick. I really just don't like the taste of Bisquick. I'm in full agreement with you, Tom. A bacon dog, and it is nothing more than a bacon-wrapped hot dog. This is one of those recipes for people who don't care about calories. By the way, Tom, yes, you did explain it very well. In fact, my mouth was just watering over that recipe. Oh, that sounds good. He brings to you some tips about the stir-crazy popcorn maker. He got this from the book. He says if you add the popcorn first and then pour the oil in, that adds to the more popped 
popcorn experience. He also says that the recipe book is on the Stir Crazy website in a PDF format. The book also states to ensure all the popcorn kernels are popped, wait between three and five seconds between popping and you will have less wasted kernels and more popped corn. Thanks for those tips. This brings us to a close of Cooking with the Hazelnuts for this week. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've been cooking, flipping, popping, and we do it all just for you. Be sure and keep in touch. Tweet us. Hope you listen to our podcasts. Call in. Send us those recipes. We'll be back again next week. So long, everybody. (laughs) 